everybody out there in the galaxy, it's time for Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in into all the details, the characters, the places, the things, the props, the concepts of that galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, my name is Mac, and I'm joined by my fellow visionary, Ross. Ah, uh, Mac, we find ourselves here today where all great stories start hmm. at the beginning. Indeed. And today we are talking about the beginning of Star Wars Visions. The very first episode of the, right now only, but maybe in the future, first season, mm -hmm. episode one, titled The Duel. The Duel. Now, Mac, we're going to talk about it in full spoiler mode, so if you have not watched this 14-minute clip yet, we highly recommend go check it out. It'll be the only episode we will spoil. Yes. Uh, we may talk about some general things from other episodes of Vision, but this will be the only plot we will give full spoilers for. Sounds good. Yeah, we're going to keep everything pretty high level, but we we thought we wanted to talk about it, but we didn't want to go through being so topical. We went through all of it, so... One episode is what you get today. Mm. And uh, hey, maybe eventually we'll get more. But for today, I think one is going to be quite enough, because we normally have a lot to say. Yes, we do. And we're going to start talking about it right after this. It is time to go to the Stellar East and see a vision of Star Wars. In fact, a few visions of Star Wars. Where'd all the color go? Um, Where'd all the color go? Hey, hey. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, okay, so some of the visions are going to have color. This one was not. Um, Ooh, it has some color. All right, friends. Uh, again, last last thing for spoilers. We will be spoiling the first episode, first short film, first segment. Sure, first vision. First vision. First vision. First vision, the duel. The duel. From uh, the 2021 release of Star Wars Visions. Yes. A uh, collaboration between uh, Disney, Lucasfilm, and a number of high-profile Japanese mm -hmm. animation mm -hmm. houses. So, Yes. We have to say 2021 because who knows, by the time you're listening to this, there could be multiple years of Star Wars Visions. I could see it because I think, if nothing else, I think these are going to play very, very well on the home islands. I think Japan is going to really enjoy these because when you look at the picks, like, for instance, our episode here, The Duel, um, the animation house that actually uh, made it is probably not the most super well-known in the West. Um, they, uh, oh, hold on. I have, I have it written down. Kamikaze Dilgu um, is a group that has done mostly looking through their history because I didn't recognize the name. Unlike there's like studio trigger, for instance, did one of the shows and I'm like, I know who they are. Um, Kamikaze Dogu is, uh, they seem to be mostly focused on making openings, like the motion graphics and the very high, admittedly much higher than normal quality animation that is in like the front of TV shows and projects mm -hmm. like that. Um, opening credits, closing credits, that kind of thing. And I think it, 
their sort of, I guess their most famous one is JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, which is one of the weirdest anime, one of the weirdest Japanese things. Um, but a very, very impressive opening. And, and they're very good at blending um, 3D and 2D. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons they do so much work for, again, the higher profile, like opening credits and stuff like that. Uh, but just looking through it, like, unless you're really into uh, uh, dubs from afar, they've done some of, like, the Gotcha Men series. They've done, uh, oh, they did, oh, they did, um, they did Batman Ninja. I don't know if you saw that. I have not seen that, no. Uh, it was uh, 2018, and it's just basically Batman, but what if he was a ninja? Oh, so instead of, like, you know, being a vigilante, he's I've, a I've ninja on revenge. Christopher Nolan made that, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you're not far off, but this is like much like the story we're going to talk about today, a little more Eastern flu influence than that. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Um, I'd also want to say they've also done, um, some other interesting things cause they've done, uh, if you saw fire woman awakens, they did a number of the cutscenes in that. Mm. Uh, my favorite one is they did for old mega man's. So, uh, mega man, uh, X eight and mega man command mission. They did the opening animations for, um, and then warmed my heart is uh castlevania portrait of ruin which was very anime so that doesn't surprise me they've done a bunch of that stuff but honestly they mostly do these kinds of work like shorts and stuff so not a whole lot of back catalog to talk about especially to a more western audience well you're certainly the expert in this area compared to me uh so since i don't have anything to add about uh history of animation or the studio behind it let's jump right into the story shall we okay so Mac, we open up here, uh, you know, this is, uh, we, we haven't talked about this yet on the show at all, Visions, because it's relatively new for us, you know, it's the first and time we're And you were also avoiding it. the trailer, so there's things I wanted to say, but I couldn't, because I didn't want to ruin anything mm -hmm, for you. Mm -hmm. I certainly did not know very much going in, and to go into the first episode here, uh, you know, to come into this sort of hand-drawn, black and white, mostly animation style, was definitely not what I was expecting, but mm -hmm. boy, does it draw you in. With its, you know, it's got like a lower frame rate. It's, yes. um, it, it's got a very everything about it is purposeful. Like there, there's a moment so, we'll talk about, like when a character's cape is flowing in the wind, and it's just like that's the only thing moving in the frame. But it just it creates this tension, and there's something about this animation style and the use of color, which we'll talk about against yes, the mostly black and white drop backdrop uh, throughout. So we'll talk about that, but let's talk about. Where we begin. So we see this character wandering mm -hmm. into town. And uh, next to him, he's got a little R-series astromech mm -hmm. who's got a nice uh, sun hat on, you know, protecting himself from the rays as they yeah, travel. The, the coolie hat is nice. I like that. Very, very great. Uh, love everything we see here at the very beginning. It's just like instantly you're drawn into this. You want to know more about these characters. Um, I've only watched this. I've watched it a few times, you know, mm -hmm. just to kind of get a good handle on it and on all the story beats. But I feel like there's so much in here that you could watch this a dozen times and still miss a lot of the detail. Right. And I'm coming into this absolutely on fire hot because I've only had the chance to watch this episode of the show so far before we record it. I love it. I love it because we have a very, because I have watched all nine episodes now. Okay. And most of them a couple of times. So we have a... Some different perspective, which is going to be sure. good. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. So we see here that our our wanderer, our our uh, our our mysterious character, right? Mm -hmm. We see he's a you know, taller. He's got uh, flowing robes. He's got a sword on his hip. 
He's got uh, some longer hair, some scars on his face, right? But very stoic, very serious. I mean, all of the traditional tropes of the well, stranger coming into town, right? So just to paint the picture, I mean, one of the biggest things, and, and it's not surprising this is their opening salvo for this project, mm-hmm. is this may be the most Japanese out of them. They're all Japanese culture, but I mean, this is trying to invoke the, you know, the Edo period of Japan. Yeah. Like, this is when the Ronin are going around. And very, very specifically, Kurosawa films. Like, some of the shots are literally pulled from, from like, Yojimbo and, um, and, and this is very much pulled from Yojimbo. Not specifically the plot, per se, but the imagery. Yojimbo is about a Ronin samurai. So Ronin samurai were, there was a time where samurais basically had feudal states all over Japan and they were, the retainers of these many warriors who would fight in their name, like kind of like in our uh, East or Western, you know, you're the feudal Lord and the Knights, same idea. You're the Shogun and you had the, the samurai. Well, at a certain point that sort of breaks down. And when you had a Ronin is a samurai who is without a master, he is not tied to any clan or family and they just usually would wander. And Akira Kurosawa, who was famous in the 50s for these beautiful Japanese invocative animations, which half of our American Westerns are based off of, um, invoked that sense of... He didn't mean animations when he said that. Huh? He didn't mean animations. I was just correcting. I'm going to get to that in a second. Yeah, you said... uh, Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. So, so, okay. So, just to put it in perspective. Yeah. Yojimbo is about a wandering samurai... So he's a scary person. He's a professional killer, if you want to think about it that way. But they're honor-bound, and they have this mystique around them like knights, you know, that they're these great people. And he wanders in this town, and this town is in a complete deadlock between these two groups in town that are um, oppressing each other. And he sort of starts playing them against each other and eventually rips the entire town apart and leaves it with just the the most innocent villagers or the only ones left because he can just... He is a force of nature. And Yojimbo is exactly what this scene is referencing as he's wandering into town. And we're getting the idea of this town that is generally, um, you know, common good folk trying to make it out mm-hmm. here in the harsh galaxy. And then a group of bandits are going to roll into town. And, you know, they're not really prepared for that, but they're going to try and fight. But here is this professional warrior who is going to change everything. If you've ever seen the movie The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, it is no exaggeration. It is literally a Western version of Yojimbo. Yes. So it is not even remotely not on purpose that they're doing this. This is very much referencing Akira Kurosawa. The the fact that it's, like you said, those black and whites, but also they've got that just little touch of like tan sepia in them. Like is very Kurosawa, the the shot composition, all of this stuff, and it's. I, I the reason I'm drawing such a fine point to this is this is such a snaking in its own tail. The universe coming back to normal, full circle, yeah. Because it is very famous that George Lucas loved Kurosawa during his formative years in film school, and that half of Star Wars came from his love of watching those movies. And specifically the movie Hidden Fortress is in many ways the same skeleton that Star Wars would build many of its plot points out. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much for so much history. We are at a point 
in Star Wars, right? We're we're all we're at fifty years of Lucasfilm. We're celebrating this year, Ooh. and uh, fifty years in uh, full circle, the snake eating its tail, as you put it. Star Wars is referencing Star Wars, the yes. things that it referenced. I mean, it it is. I mean, that's the whole point of this, right? The whole point of Visions is to honor the history of Star Wars and the content that it is sort of. Oh based on and these creators are basically taking now star wars content and taking it and letting it influence the other type of content there's a heartfelt poetry to the idea that a lot of uh like younger folk or folks who are not like nerds about film history are going to watch this say this is really cool here where people like me go it's a kurosawa film and want to go i want to go see what kurosawa is all about and so the thing that made star wars happen makes People watch Star Wars, so uh-huh. they find out the thing that made it like this circular, like yeah. everything coming back of feeding into each other. The beauty of art, right? The 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 thing about art is that it's timeless, or at least generally and, it should be, right? And it's nice because Kurosawa films are in a kind of renaissance because recently Ghost of Tsushima, the PlayStation yeah. game, is literally that. In fact, they they licensed the estate of Kurosawa, so the black and white mode of that is called Kurosawa mode. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, so again, really, Akira Kurosawa, he's not hard to find. You'll find him all over the internet and places. He's very, very, very famous. Go check him out, and you will understand this even better. So our wanderer ends up in front of the shop with, I thought, a brilliant use of a, a Salston. Uh, yes. I, I love that he's got, you know... He, his flaps, that kind of like uh, amphibian flaps that Neil and Nub and, and, and Solstons have, I like that it kind of ends up reminding me of like the very like, you know, big mustache kind of guy. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because in this, I never realized Solstons were so small. He's yeah. very he's very short, more like an Ugnaught, it seems. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think... I think they get very much, but yeah, I guess they, I guess they're at least a head or two t- shorter yeah. than humans. We've only ever, I mean, not, we only, not that we've only ever, but I always think, of course, of him sitting down next to Lando, where they're like equal height. See chairs, the great equalizer. Uh huh. Uh huh. You got to get one of those tall joints that Akbar uses. <laughs> really, really get above your opponent. Okay, so here we are. Uh, our our wanderer, uh, Ronan. We're going to refer to him, you know, as because uh, there will be some more material coming. So we'll talk about that more yes. in a minute. Um, but we have this character, and he is essentially getting uh, cleaned up from his travels, as it were. You know, he's at a little, a little establishment, a little business, getting his droid recharged and worked on. Uh, you know, paying the shop owner handsomely, showing he has a good relationship with his droid here, uh, showing, as we said earlier, his the quiet, stoic type. When all of a sudden, the villager's happy, quiet day is ruined by some big, loud machinery crashing into the town, and we see. Uh, essentially a band of marauders, but we kind of take them here with the Star Wars knowledge that we have to believe that this is some version of this universe is the Empire. They're in a mix of both Stormtrooper and First Order armor, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. piecemealed together on them, very much like the, um, you know, the Nile and the, the High Republic, you know, kind of just like materials brought together to make it work make them look like a fighting force and right. they essentially immediately come out and say hey we're taking over this village you know they get out of their troop transport and say we're in charge here you know we're in charge we're we're taking over and the only person who has the courage to stand up to him is this little boy saying i'm the chief of this village and he's great where's your chief show us your chief i am chief it's like what <laughs> <laughs> And it, it, the first time I watched this, I was a little confused. I was distracted. My cats were running all over the place, um, <laughs> causing mayhem. But 
I was distracted, but the second time I watched it, I realized that when he kind of says that, they pan to a shot up above, and you see kind of a man laying in a bed looking sick. Yeah. And you you take that to assume that that's his father. Was that anything, like, referencing anything? Or I just felt, found that yeah. as an interesting choice that they never really came back to. I feel it's, again, referencing broader stuff that, that plays out in, in, in these samurai dramas of, like, it's all about families and clans, yeah. right? So it's just the idea of this kid is the scion of his clan because his father no longer has the agency he needs to to invoke. And I love the kid is just made of steel. He's yeah. like, this is what I must do. And I have no compunctions about like, you may think I am nine, but I am the scion of the blank clan and I will <laughs> fa- face you with eyes unflinching. And I, it is such a mood that I love. <laughs> I'm just, oh, yeah. This um, just very wound society that's that has just this absolute obsession with these honor codes. Yeah, it it just makes me want to explore it more. It yeah. makes me want to see more of these characters in this world. But and, and what's fun about this is, like you said, like it's tough to tell if this is like rank and file Imperials and just the idea of there's not a uniform because they're all getting armor, so it's not uniform. Or if this is a more ragged group that's just sort of cobbling together their equipment. But either way, they really come off as just thugs and a little disorganized in the way of, like, they were not ready for a nine-year-old to say no. I mean, they have guns. They're not really scared of him. But they're like, oh. Impressed. Yeah. Impressed. And, uh, you know, it's worth probably pointing out here at this point that, you know, Legends is not a canonical thing. It is something that each and every one of these different nine-part series essentially takes place in a different universe. So, you know, throughout the series, they sprinkle in Empire, Imperial, you know, different different phrasings or different allusions to the Empire. But they never really go into detail. You know, we never see the Visions version the, of Darth Vader or the Emperor or Coruscant or anything like that. And again, the best thing about it is, again, I love these are Visions this is an alternate universe where, it, yeah. where Anything yes, goes. Star Wars happens, but holy crud, do they love Japan? Like, yeah. you know, all the houses, all every, everything is influenced by this, you know, um, 1800s era Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so the kid stands up and then the thugs are ready to basically just show their resolve. When all of a sudden the local, uh, what would you call them, the militia? Yeah, the, the militias. Vill- yeah, yeah. The local village defenders stand up and start fighting back, and we see a Rodian with a cool machine gun type thing, you know, an auto cannon, whatever the heck they call it in Star Wars, some repeating blaster thing. I don't know. Heavy repeating blaster. Yeah, sure, probably. sure. We we see uh, we we see um, a uh, what else? We see that one. Uh, oh, we see a uh, a Trandoshan. A Trandoshan. A Trandoshan. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I should have written these down. I'm trying to go off of memory. But we get this really great battle, and then all of a sudden we see that there is another fighter, someone who has been held back, and we see a Sith Lord, or I think she refers to herself as a Dark Lord, come yes. out of the top of the transport. Yeah. yeah, so we see like the the militia basically start shooting and going like, ah, oh, the town's not going out, out without a fight. And they actually get some wins, and it's yeah. hard fought, but like you get the idea of like, oh, well, these this town isn't, this town isn't a pushover. They, no, they, not they, at all. They defend themselves. I also really liked the fact of, I love the mix in this of because it's animation, so it's it's easier to do this, of course. But like, I love how many non-humans are running around in this. Oh, absolutely. We see so much of the species 
um, you know, of different species spread throughout. And one thing that I also really love about this that we're going to start talking about here in a second, but as we pan over all these different shots of the town and Mm -hmm. of the, you know, imperial or whatever you want to call them, transport, and of all of these different characters, in every, well, I don't want to say every single scene because I didn't watch that closely, but in (laughs) most scenes, at least like 90% of them, there is one or two things that has color. And it's almost always the electronics. Yeah, it's so it's the accents. bulbs on the doors, yes, or just you know the the lights on the front of a droid, or as we'll talk about here in a moment, lightsabers. You know, that's where we're getting the color from. And what I love about it is, at first, it's very subtle, but as it goes on, it starts to play off the rest of the world. And you know, we'll talk about that here. Yeah. But. So, so like you said, this dark lord rises uh, mm-hmm. out of the transport, mm-hmm. and she's just very much like, oh, well, let's change this battle around, and she pops this umbrella. <laughs> And then activates it, and out of the ends, there's like eight or so mm-hmm. spokes, and yeah. she has a lightsaber umbrella, a yeah. death umbrella. She had some real trauma at the beach when she was young, and so decided to mold her lightsaber after an umbrella. And so when uh, she spins yeah. it like a parasol, it almost acts as a shield, because there's just so much energy blurring around and it. And I gotta say, it looks great, it's exciting, like I was talking about earlier, seeing her like... Just the animation, the way her cape moves in the wind, um, you know, her her voice is very menacing. She's got this almost like Joker-esque mask on the lower half of her face. She's got a hood covering up. Yeah. Uh, Very, very interesting design. And as the militia starts shooting at her and she deflects with her uh, laser umbrella, Mm -hmm. we see the blast start blowing out into the town, you know, scattering onlookers and one blast gets directed and hits the droid of our main character. He does not approve of that. Does not approve of that. And so this is his call to action now. Seeing his droid take a little damage, seeing the villagers defenseless, he decides to move in. And as this Dark Lord is cutting down militia members left and right... We're got, we could get to one of my favorite parts. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. One of my favorite parts is... So he looks down and he's like, the droid is damaged. And he looks at the Solstice and he's like... Can you repair my droid? It's like, uh, not the question I think is the most pertinent right now, but I mean, yeah, I guess so. Good. And then he does something that is directly from Kurosawa. I think it's Yojimbo that does it. Takes a pot, puts it on on the thing, thing of like, he must be repaired by the time this pot, pot whistles. Huh? Get to work. And he just like walks away. Yeah. No direction. No nothing. We have no idea what we're going to expect from this droid. And we see our character slowly make his way into the town and confront the Dark Lord who has been uh, causing so much mayhem. Mm-hmm. Now, Mac, when we were seeing, you know, when when you were watching this, when you were going through this for the first time, this moment, like, there's a lot of tension build up here in just oh, a yeah. couple of minutes with nothing but mostly black and white animation and, you know, mostly very little dialogue or dialogue where you're not actually seeing much from the characters, you know? Yeah, it's very terse. Yeah, I really, really am enjoying myself here and I'm really feeling the emotion that's going into this. And when these characters confront each other, I mean, you know, you're expecting something really big, but I was certainly not expecting what we get here, you well, know, going in. Yeah, because our Dark Lord, it's great because she's she's turned the tide of the battle. We've definitely mm-hmm. seen that like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this is why these Imperial can be arrogant. They've got they got their boogeyman with them. Um, and in again, very good form. Yeah. Our, our, our Rodin just kind of walks up and it's like, it's just inhumanly calm (laughs) 
And the woman assumes that, you know, he is a Jedi. Because he has a sword. He's got a sword. It's been a long time since I fought a Jedi. And she takes a running leap at him, brings her saber down, and he reaches up with his hands and grabs her lightsaber, basically blocking it about an inch in front of his cupped hands, using the force to stop it. <laughs> yes. Which is a... Can he do that? I because love... that's something we've seen in Legends. We've seen it in Star Wars content, but we've never seen it in well, film or live action or anything. We haven't got to that in our Force theory, but energy dis- uh, um, uh, dispersing energy is a thing we've already seen. Vader catches that blaster bolt mm-hmm. from Han with his hands. It's been mm-hmm. high-level canon for a while. And just to see that mixed with maybe some of what we saw with Kylo Ren stopping a blaster bolt of like, yeah, no, I'm... Yoda catching force lightning. Right, all right. similar things. Yeah. We're all just, he's just, he just stops the blade. I mean, again, this is from samurai films where you would pinch the blade and yeah. he stopped it that way. But it's cooler because it's the force. Oh, it's so cool. And you see the not only the shock in the cis eyes, but you see uh, the red reflecting off his face and yes. hands as they go in really for an up-close shot. And it's just, it looks amazing. I mean, everything about it is great. And she's a little surprised at first and comes in for another attack. And this time his sword comes out and we get the reveal that he also is carrying a red lightsaber. Yeah, he. I think he... Is it here or is immediately after he makes kind of the comment of like, no, not a Jedi? Yeah, that, I think that's a little bit. I, I honestly can't remember no, it's, what part it's it is. It's great because yes. she's just basically like, I haven't, I haven't had the chance to try and kill a Jedi. Is that what, it's like, I am not a Jedi. <laughs> There's just this great gravity yeah. of like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to play fair. I'm one of you. Yeah, because when he pulls the red lightsaber, I was just like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I was blown away. I mean, it was just not what I expected at all. I expected a very traditional thing here where this is a Jedi warrior, you Who's know, just walking wandering. through the hill. Like, I like that's great. Like, the that's what I night. wanted, but I was not expecting it. So to get that right away, and also I knew going in that this is the character who we were going to get expansion upon. Everybody else, yeah. this was probably their nine minutes to shine or whatever. Right. But this character we were going to get more from. So as soon as that happened, my mind was blown of like, oh, this is this is something interesting. Like, this is something we haven't seen well, before. And in a lot of ways, like, looking back at it, I'm like, oh, this is great because this is what it should be. Because like I said, one of the things about the figure of the Ronin Samurai is, like a Jedi, right? They're these honored people. But at the same time, they're dangerous. They're freaking wizards. They can do things you can't even begin to understand. If they are not on your side, they are a terrifying force. And so I like the fact that when he draws the red blade, it's like he his morality becomes gray instantly yeah. of we don't know what he wants to do. He seems a calm person and not someone who wants to hurt people. He was right? nice to his droid. He was nice to the shopkeeper. This can't be a bad guy. But this guy is now suddenly capable of violence and murder that like no Jedi would be able of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we start getting the clashes and the blows of, of the lightsaber fight starting up proper and as they keep going like he basically dismantles the 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 umbrella gets it off and we realize that the umbrella is just this sheath that's being used and we also see he takes out her mask and basically reveals her face and her giant hair uh and uh the battle continues in full force while the villagers are still under assault 
from the stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. The battle makes its way uh, over on top. I love this part. They're like on a log walking across the river. Yes. And she just cuts the log off from the shore so it falls down into the river. And I just like how throughout the entire fight, our main character looks unconfident. Like, I mean, he's he's winning. I mean, well, maybe winning is the right word, but it's not that like he's failing. It's not like he's losing. But there are many times where they just cut to his face and he looks a little surprised or unsure of himself. I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, the way I read it is just the fact of he hasn't fought an opponent like this in some time, I think is the undertext. And I think it's just very much of a, he is curious, the, 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 the techniques she's using don't seem to jive with what his expectations were going to be. You know what I mean? That's how I more you read think? it. Okay. Um, especially when we know what we know at the end, I think there's not necessarily a cat playing with a toy kind of mentality, but just a very much like I'm here to challenge myself and you are, your technique is different than I expected. And yeah. I'm not making all the right moves in response to what you're doing. Well, what we see here is as they float down the river and the fight continues, we see that the village is overtaken by the stormtroopers and the Dark Lord basically threatens Ronan here, saying, put down your weapon or I will execute all the villagers. And so he resheathed his saber and very slyly, very slowly, reaches down to his wrist and activates his little homing beacon, telling his droid what to do. Wait, and right before that, a tea kettle starts whistling. Yeah. As and the Solson looks like here everywhere. It's so good. And the Solson has quote-unquote done the repairs he needed and we see this droid rocket to life yeah it basically pulls itself off of the power cables like flies away and uh with the equivalent of the only way i could describe them is whistling birds because that is the most similar thing we've seen (laughs) so there's Uh, so there's a there's I don't know if anyone else uses it. I've seen uh, some of my circle call. It's a Macross of Missiles. There's a very famous show called Macross in which they have these like box missiles that have like 30 Mm -hmm. missiles that all fire at once. But they're dummy missiles. So they kind of all go in different directions. And that is that is the anime thing that they're doing here of just this. There's just terrifying mass of missiles flying out in all different directions, except for, like you said, like the whistling birds. They find their targets. They only find their targets, only find the stormtroopers. And you know what else is interesting here? As we see all the missiles going out, we see one come onto our Sith Dark Lord and she, you know, is able to slice it out of the sky. I really like that moment of animation too. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that has missile launchers like that, those uh, Separatist tanks, you know, the ones with the two big wheels? Oh, yeah. The they Hail very Fi- much, Hailfire droids. Yeah, they very much have uh, have missile launchers. A like Macross of missiles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... As the uh, Dark Lord realizes that she has lost control of the town, she takes her fury out and uh, with a very ferocious slash knocks Ronan off of the waterfall, down over the waterfall's edge, and we see him very uh, wearily pulling himself up off the side. Yeah. And we see our Sith Lord casually jump down, very gracefully, very cat-like. And one of my favorite things is, and then just like, jams the log at the top of this waterfall Love causing it, it to split so you can see this little cavern shrine that's behind the waterfall yes yes what we see here is uh as she jumps down she sees a red lightsaber behind the waterfall her opponent and she uses the log to essentially uh leverage it at the top of the waterfall to cause a split in the water she dives through slices at the saber and cuts in half a giant stone obelisk 
Manus. Well, uh, I think what would so. You, call so it? you have so it looks like this is a, like a little holy site, little shrine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so it's it's some sort of figure that was part of that, Definitely. and he's just throwing a piece of his cloth, his overcoat over it, and then it has the blade on it. So it looks vaguely like his especially, silhouette, especially in the dark through a waterfall. And as she's confused about what happens, a uh, blade pierces I was say, her. She dies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is a question I had for you as, uh, as someone else. Maybe you can help me clear it up. Does this blade come out the bottom of his sheath? Because he leaves his main saber in the hands of this mm. statue-like thing, you know, to draw her in. And he very clearly, we see him, like, spin his sheath around after the fact. So is this something that, like, came oh. out of the bottom of it? I probably would have to. I've only watched it the once, so I'd probably have to watch it deeper. I guess my brain just went, they're going full samurai, because samurai would always carry generally, I should say generally, three blades mm-hmm. their tanto on their back, which would be just a long dagger, mm-hmm. their main sword, a katana, and then they would have their wakazashi, which is their short blade. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed it was his short blade. Yeah. I wasn't really thinking about it. Now I really want to watch it and find out. The way it looks like, because they do a very purposeful, like, after she falls to the ground, he, like, does, like, a, a spin of it in his hand to get it back so it's right side up. Like, it's like he well, was doing, like, a thing stabbing is, Maybe motion. it's just a really long-handled lightsaber, because when you think about it, a lightsaber doesn't actually need a sheath. Right. <laughs> so it could just be clicked onto his... Like, like a double-bladed lightsaber just yeah. clicked together kind of thing. It very much could be a double-bladed situation, but... I loved the idea of a lightsaber and a sheath. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. I mean, well, I, I thought I it was just, great. This scene was fantastic because not only was it like, oh, clever. I was with the Sith Lord. I did not realize he was using a dirty tactic like that to get at her. And I also like, again, he's this Ronin. He is not a, you know, he's not the cleanest fighter. He is... He's here to kill you. He's not here to do it cleanly or nicely or kindly. He is a professional murderer. And I like the fact that he just... A very honorless attack. There's right? no fanfare to it. No. And mm. and again, like Samurai films where you, you know, like from watching a Western, right? You know, the guy gets shot and he just goes and holds his chest like, oh, I've died. Like... That's how samurais do is the blades barely clack against each other. It's just usually one guy runs past the other and the other one goes and falls over. Like, so it's very much like that of just dead. There's no, there's no like, let me give you my final allegory and thoughts on life before I die with my last breath. Or let me with like half my arm missing, still fight a few times back at you before you finally can kill me. Like, no, it's just, it's just a brutality of just killing them. <laughs> well, you could look at that as being more brutal, but you could also look at it as being um, merciful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you just. It's a good word for it. Yeah. In and done. Yeah. No suffering. You're there, gone. Yeah. It's it's. There's a lot you could say about it. I want to learn more about the character. Let's talk about how this story ends, so we can talk about that next. Yeah, so we cut back to the the village, which thanks to the missiles, basically we we got them running yeah. scared, and mm-hmm. and we 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 see our 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 child chief again. Yes, we do. We see uh, a few rewards, a few uh, um, uh, bequeathments of the Sith Lord, if you will. Mm-hmm. We see the uh, lightsaber umbrella get handed out to our faithful shopkeeper, who was able to repair the droid in time. He's very very stoked about it. Oh, it's probably some really good precious metals to sell. Like, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, without another lightsaber, it didn't seem too useful, but he was pumped anyway, so it must be. 
I'm just think think about it for one second. What kind of metal can possibly hold a lightsaber back like that? It's got to be like Beskar or something. Yeah, that's true. Really, really high value. It's got to find someone to mold it. It's yeah. tougher these days, I hear. Well, I know some guys with T's on their faces who would buy that from you. <laughs> and then he takes the lightsaber of the fallen Sith and with his saber cuts it open, revealing the kyber crystal inside and takes it and puts it inside of his jacket where we see that he has multiple other kyber crystals. Like another six of them. <laughs> oh, this was the moment for me. As much as I enjoyed the reveal of the red saber, as much as I enjoyed, you know, the, the, the trick death, uh, boy, just seeing that just gave me so much hope for what this story is going to be. Yeah. Well, just the, the idea of these, like he's so either he's collecting them as trophies of surviving these various battles or he's a hunter, like he's he's hunting these it people. It really, really, really gives me that hunting feeling of like, maybe he's not purposefully seeking them out, but it's like when he comes across one, he can't let it go. And again, I think that's what f- flavors what I was saying earlier, where he is having setbacks, but I think a lot of it is just being surprised by the expectations. This new opponent, he wants yeah. to kind of figure them out, and so is intrigued by the different tactics they use. And, the and one... then kills them. <laughs> yeah, he, he learns and then he kills. And the one last thing he does before heading out of town is giving one of those red kyber crystals crystals to the chief boy saying, this will ward off evil spirits. This Hold on to it for me. Yeah. I found that very interesting. You would think uh, a powerful Sith artifact would attract evil spirits. Quite the opposite. Well, uh, I think... Like a Sith holocron attracts Sith. It doesn't I, deter them. I, I agree. Well, we don't know what's happening in this universe, but I, I mostly took it as like a... When they see you have a red blade here, they will be wary to attack you. Yeah. Like, those people are terrifying. <laughs> Most people don't want to pick fights with them. Yeah. Especially when legend grows of like people like this guy. And the other thing about it is that we might find out is just like perhaps there just isn't as hard of that dichotomy between Sith and Jedi yeah. and and maybe there aren't any lightsabers hey, other maybe, than red ones. Yeah, I mean we uh well I was gonna say this can't be a world without Jedi. I was just gonna say it can't no, because she mentions, mentions them. it. Yeah. But but I could see uh, them as warrior monks rather than like a government agency? Well, swords. Oh, sure, sure, maybe, sure. Maybe they're not as much into the, the light. Maybe the lightsaber isn't as much of a weapon to them as more of a symbol or something. Sure. I don't know. I want to see Jedi in this world. <laughs> I, I know. I do, too. Well, unfortunately, the 14-minute short ends here. But good news if you enjoyed it. There is a legend, well, a Visions novel coming. Of this character, literally called Ronin, a Star Wars Visions novel. Oh, it's really called Ronin, okay. It is literally called Ronin, a Star Wars Visions novel, coming out middle of October 2021. So very, very soon. Uh, I mean, I'm very excited to read it. I have uh, said before, and I'll say it again, the things that are exciting me most in Star Wars literature these days are these things like Ronin, like Life Day Treasury, like Myths and Fables, like uh, the Edge of Balance manga. Very excited about that. So Mm -hmm. these newer types of stories with new characters are very, very exciting. And I can't wait to see where this one goes. There have been some details about the Ronin book out there because they have released some chapters. So if you want to go read like five preview chapters, I believe they're on StarWars.com. I uh, did not because... uh, you know you're going to read it anyway? Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I have kind of that that desire to uh, early read Star Wars content 
has kind of left me. I want to be surprised with it like everybody else. That's cool. And I think um, I think it's also interesting because I love when we take little genre takes on Star Wars. Um, I have said before, like I liked Red Harvest and Death Troopers yeah. of like what's it like through a horror frame. Yeah. One of my favorite book series in Star Wars was Coruscant Nights, which was oh, just yeah. basically like – pulp detective stories but yeah. in star wars in the depths of coruscant oh yeah uh, it's great it's great when you get to see star wars through a different lens yes and this, and this is was, a very different lens yes it was and mac boy oh boy i cannot wait for you to watch the other eight because i can't wait to hear your opinion well i will uh we'll sprinkle those out maybe uh the next time we meet up eight more episodes of content baby <laughs> coming at you that's what we're gonna do every week until the end of the year <laughs> If we, One vision if at we time. can't remember to do an episode, Tatooine Rhapsody. That's what's up next. Tatooine That's Rhapsody? the name of episode number two. Interesting. Yeah. I, it seems I'm to be the like least you, favored, but I really liked it. I, I watched the trailer, but that's it. Like yeah. I haven't been looking at any reviews of this stuff because I do kind of want to yeah. absorb them at my same time. But yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, it's very interesting. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's go to the outro and talk about it because I have a few things I want to tell you. That's it. Another episode of Star Wars All In, in the can. Man. I can't believe Visions is here. Yeah. I can't it's, believe it's finally here. It's um, It's been really good. By the way, in the uh, interim, we did go in. Uh, we, I, we had to know. Um, tell him, Mac. Tell him what you found, buddy. It does look like it's a scabbard. Uh, his second bl- red blade seems to be it's attached to the end of his scabbard. And he spins it around and then clicks it back onto his belt, which means it has some sort of capture i also did see he does have a wakazashi the smaller sword that hangs below the main sword so i think this guy's just loaded with knives i love that it's pretty great i, I love that i mean loaded with knives is and when, how you want to be <laughs> and i just got through it i forgot the, i forgot the great little thing thing of like like you must be one of the great jedi knights of legend may i have your name and then he draws his blade and they're like oh he's a red blade um uh mm, uh <laughs> ooh actually uh this is kind of difficult um but, yeah, are you going to kill us <laughs> <laughs> all right so here i have the description for the novel ronin yeah the jedi are the most loyal servants of the empire well that's a different thought that doesn't seem right does it all right, let me let me start from the beginning. Cool. A mysterious former Sith wanders the galaxy in this stunning Star Wars tale on original novel inspired by the world of the Duel from the Star Wars Visions animated anthology. So if this sentence is right, hey, maybe. The Jedi are the most loyal servants of the Empire. Well, two decades ago, Jedi clans clashed in service to feuding lords. Sickened by the endless cycle, a sect of Jedi rebelled seeking to control their own destiny and claim power in service of no master. They called mm. themselves Sith. Oh, I should have read it on. That would have answered it for me, huh? Yeah. The Sith Rebellion failed, succumbing to infighting and betrayal, and the once-rival lords unified to create an empire. 
but even an empire at peace is not free from violence. Far on the edge of the outer rim, one former Sith wonders, accompanied only by a faithful droid and the ghost of a less civilized age. He carries a lightsaber, but claims lineage to no Jedi clan and pledges allegiance to no lord. Little is known about him, including his name, for he never speaks of his past, nor his regrets. His history is as guarded as the red blade of destruction he carries sheathed at his side. As the galaxy's perpetual cycle of violence continues to interrupt his self-imposed exile, and he is forced to duel an enigmatic bandit claiming the title of Sith, it becomes clear that no amount of wondering will ever let him outpace the specters of his former life. That's really good. I mean, I like I'm going to read it. I want to read that. I mean, I'm going to read that for okay, sure. Okay, so so what they're doing is they're they're basically making it like the Shogunate. It's not that the Jedi served the Republic or anything like that. It's they served Jedi clans like the this. Shogunate. I love this. You know, I'm Shoguns, pumped. and they they were retainers for the Shoguns. And when the Shoguns infought, they eventually broke into sex, and the the Sith were the ones who wanted to be masterless. <sighs> they wanted to get away from this. Um, and of course, they're Sith. And in all universes, they infight and screw it up. This sounds great. I, I got to say, there are a few vision shorts that didn't really click with me. And I hope they clicked with some people because they are amazing. Like, well, I, they were great to watch. They just weren't. Okay, so know, we can be a little, 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 little honest here. So um, I was really into anime for a good long time. Yeah, there. You're, you're an anime guy. I am not. Uh, from basically the end of high school for me until probably 2011 or 12, maybe. Is kind of when I sort of fought, fell off. Yeah. And it was partially because the monoculture of current stylings, most of the art doesn't really grab me. Sure. Um, uh, if, if anyone out there likes uh, anime, I'll just say, like, I don't like Moe style, and it's just pervasive everywhere. And So what I, kind of anime you are you can also into? hate me, but I, like, I can't get into My Hero Academia. It's a great story, but I just I don't like it. Um, so what kind of anime are you into? What is your so most of, of my stuff is is what I would argue is the American Golden Age of anime, where throughout the '90s it was very hard to get anime for the longest time, and there were only like you could get like what what uh, I remember my brother uh, was into, which I always kind of refer to as the gold the the Holy Trilogy, Trinity, which was it was easy to get Ghost in the Shell, Akira, and Ninja Scroll. Mm. And I heard there were other anime, I'm sorry, other Japanimation things you could find. Um, but right at the dawn of the 21st century, when DVDs became the predominant thing, you could suddenly buy TV shows in a reasonable like package in a way that you couldn't really do with VHS. And that's when you had this explosion of stuff coming in. Uh, Toonami had started and was really popularizing um, a, much, a much more raw version of anime, a le- less, you know, um, cleaned up. Like uh, people at my brother's age were into like Robotech. Um, but Robotech is where we're all just making like, oh, this is Riensuke. I mean, Rick, Rick Hunter. Like we were changing everything because we wanted to Americanize it. We were importing it in a very real sense right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so in the early 2000s you got a lot better um voice acting a lot more authentic translation so yeah. we're talking about things like um gundam wing and cowboy bebop uh one of my favorite shows is trigun uh outlaw star that's kind of my bread and butter where i started getting into anime myself because yeah. i used to hate it i was like <laughs> what's with this big eyes it's just so it's so deformed it's so weird i really don't like this well, Mac, didn't you watch Sailor Moon? Yeah. 
you have no sense of irony about this. About what? <laughs> uh, okay. Because so, I remember watching like Sailor Moon and Pokemon yeah. and, and getting into like uh, Trigon and stuff like that is when I sort of going like, maybe I've always liked this, especially when the world broke for me. And it's like, well, you know that like Thundercats is anime. What? <laughs> you know, as you start realizing that all these shows that we imported were either stolen or animated yeah. by like, uh, you know, like Transformers is anime. What? Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, so That's really, great. really, so really, really big thing. And then I, you get to a point in like the 2010s where I sort of fell out because what was happening was the fans, we had sort of blown through this golden age of where you got the creme de la creme. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. got the best shows that have been stocked for the last like 20 years from Japan. were getting translated, dubbed and sent to you. Mm-hmm. And then we caught up and then you realize that, Anime in Japan is TV shows here, and some are duds, and some are hits, and it's always a mix. And by the time we started getting through that, the other cultural thing that had changed, the internet had really come up, and a lot of people were into watching Salmicast. So when it was premiering in Japan, you could watch it with subtitles. Mm. I'm a very audio-based person. I'm a very oral-based person. So for me, I don't like watching subs if dubs are possible, because... I don't like staring at the lower third of the screen most of the time I'm watching something. Yeah. Um, so that's a very con- controversial take. There there are holy wars going on about subs and dubs. But subs definitely have tilted to most anime fans or subbed people. Um, so a lot of the properties don't get dubs, so I don't feel as compelled to go and seek them out. Uh, the style of art is very different and very monastic over there. It's a lot of style mm-hmm. I don't like. Um, and last but not least is a real cultural shift of trying to keep this stuff as authentic as possible, which to me creates cultural dissonance where I know so much more about samurais and average Japanese high school life than I want to just so I can follow some of these shows because there's such a reluctance by the core fans who make most of the audience up. They they want to pretend they're Japanese in every way, but actually learning Japanese. They just want it as raw and foreign as they possibly can. And I find that strange because half of anime's existence is because Japan liked Mickey Mouse and wanted to make their own cartoons. Like it, It's a gift that they are giving back to us in many senses. So anyway. Very interesting. Now, I didn't have uh, really any history with anime going into this. Uh, I, you know, other than... Dragon Ball and its spinoffs, like most people from my generation, that is about my only real toe in the water. And as we've talked about in the past, I struggled at the beginning with something like Clone Wars, you know, with animation and enjoying animation and being able to kind of open myself up to it fully. But as we talked about the other day, I don't know if it was even on the show or not, but hey, as I said before, I like Clone Wars now, Max. I'll watch anything. Well, it's kind of like now that the dam broke, I will well, watch any type of animation that someone wants to put in front of me. And I'll what I should try. say right now is as an anime fan, what I need to do is I need to talk at you about the shows you have to watch. Huh. And then if I'm a, if I'm not, but and if I'm a toxic anime fan, I have to say sitting next to you why this is so great as you watch yeah. it rather than let you form your own opinion. Yeah. No, I, I also, also don't say. like a lot of anime fans, which is another <laughs> reason I don't hang out in anime as much as I could. Sure. Again, nothing against them. It's a culture. I was part of it. I was as bad about it as any human being, any otaku nerd. Um, at the same time, it's exhausting, and you eventually become an adult and don't want to deal with it. Um, 
But the other thing that's really cool is I think this is a good gateway drug for a lot of people like you who yeah. are anime light because so much of the imagery is not cliche to you. Like at this point, some of, like I said, the Macross of missiles, like that's a cliche to me. One that I tip my hat and say, yeah, great. But if you've watched anime, you've seen that a zillion different ways because it's just it's a moat uh, that they use to create their stories. Well, as someone who has watched the other eight episodes of Visions now and you haven't, I'm very excited for you to watch them so you can tell me just what you think about the art well, style, let alone the stories. I'm very curious because at least uh, I don't know what it is. So you, you know, let your imagination run wild. There is one of them I definitely hate the art, like don't like it at mm. all. Um, and I'm I'm l- reluctant to get to through it because there are so many good animes that have amazing stories. Because, I mean, one of the reasons people get into anime is because... Japanese storytelling is very different from Western storytelling. Unless you're watching Bleach or One Piece that cannot stop, they will not stop making episodes. And if you want to watch any of those shows, don't. You can't. You, you don't have enough life to catch up. Um, most shows are either like two to four seasons and they're done. So yeah. they have beginning, middles, and ends that American TV just simply doesn't have, um, which is great yes um so there's a lot of great shows that i would love like my hero academia i'm sure i would love the story of it but i'd have to watch it and i'm not that interested in that um and that's just sort of a place because i have to admit when i watched the trailer there was a huge part of me the duel looked great but that was because i was vibing on kurosawa but a lot of the other ones i'm like man this seems pandering this really seems like we just Whereas, like, the Animatrix felt very, to me at the time, like mm-hmm. a very authentic, these are anime nerds who just want, the Wachowskis, who threw money at these great Japanese animation houses and said, could you make something for us, senpai? We, mm, mm, well, uh, we're not sure if it will fit into your world. We don't care. We just want you to make it. We want to see what you do. We don't care. And I feel that these are more leashed. I mean, maybe I'll feel differently when I finally actually watch them. Um... And for a while, I was just like, oh, it's just like, it's just the zetgeist of everything about anime of why I'm not watching a lot of modern anime. And then I sort of sobered up to the fact of like, oh, right. It's not for me. Right. There's a reason the international trailer in Japanese came out first for this thing, because we're the secondary market for this. As much as I think, oh, they're making anime for Americans. I'm like, they are. And I think there is a tiny bit of pandering of trying to find stuff that's very universal but it's totally for japan like which has a insanely immense fan culture and always has so as someone who has watched them and who knows very little about a lot of this universe and culture that we're talking about some of them are very weird and i can only imagine that is because of what they are emulating which is fine but if the whole point of this is to honor both Star Wars and these different animation styles, I don't think there's anything weird or uh, wrong about emulating different... T- like, each one of these, to me, as an outsider looking in, looks very different. Yes. I don't think any of them, to me, well, feel like they have the same style. And that is something I like. If all nine of these looked like the duel, I don't think I'd be as interested. Or if all nine of them looked like they were in the same universe or done by the same studio, you know? So I I, I definitely hear what you're saying about like, did these people create what they wanted to create or did they get, you know, a one page dossier and then fit a story to make, to match it. 
I don't know. But based on the weirdness of it, I really, really doubt. I think that what it's I'm, coming directly from Lucasfilm. I, I think what I'm saying is like I you said you know you don't really see a version of Darth Vader because I'm sure that was illegal. Like I'm sure Disney's like we don't want you to do that. I'm like, but they have a Luke and Leia. But here's like, like that, like that. Oh, like, Luke and Leia are in it. I mean, they're very obviously Luke and Leia. I mean, it's not oh, they're not okay. named Luke and Leia, but like, like every okay. character does have their own u- unique name and stuff. Again, but then maybe it's just yeah. me being cynical, or or again, maybe it's just me. Like I said, there is. I think the last anime current again. If you're an anime fan out there, I apologize to you. Me just making you hate me. Um. I think Giran Lagan was the last show I kind of was watching when it was sort of fresh and pretty much everything else since then I've caught in fits and starts here and there, but like I haven't really gotten into a show in a long time. Actually, it's really fun. My, my friends got, we were starting almost an anime club. We just watched full metal alchemist uh, brotherhood. And I was like, Oh, maybe I still do like anime. I have got, I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm glad we did that. Cause I'm actually really excited to watch these nine episodes where I thought it was going to be like Marvel's what if, where like, I don't like the look of what if, and mm. I just haven't watched it. I haven't watched a single frame of it. Cause I'm just mm. like, I'm just disinterested in the look of it. And I'm, eh, it's fine. Mm. If the whole universe was talking about it, I would guess go, go look, but I'm like, I don't need to see it. I'll be fine. Mm. Uh, and I think honestly, I might've done that with visions. And now I feel definitely, I want to, I just want to see what's going on. I do want to mm-hmm. see the rest mm-hmm. of it. Um, so well, maybe I'm a recovering anime fan. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I'm very excited to hear your opinions, especially on a few select episodes, my favorite ones. Okay. Uh, why don't we wrap this one up by uh, talk, or at least wrap up the visions part of this conversation yeah. by talking about just a few of the other episodes that I really enjoy, just in case you're out there listening. Oh, and I'll take my fingers. I'm just going to put them in my ears. Go. No, no. Go, these, are the ones, these are the ones you should watch. That's oh, this is going to be saying. spoiler free? Great. Oh, spoiler free. Yeah. Sorry. Spoiler free. Only spoiling the duel tonight. Okay. So my favorite episode out of all nine is episode seven, The Elder. Okay. So if you are uh, a fan of Master and Apprentice or just want some really great kind of like classic Jedi lesson moments, you know, a, a Master and a Padawan out patrolling the galaxy, going on an adventure, uh, this is easily my favorite episode out of all of them. It's the one that I think uh, visually I really like the most and I relate to. Um the one that the story I found the most interesting, uh, the one that I thought the the kind of lessons and the morality of it was the most um, Star Warsy to me. I don't mm. know. Maybe there's the Jedi in it are the most traditional. They feel okay. like it could be a High Republic story. It feels like it could be twenty years before so, the Phantom Menace. A little like, more grounded in the motifs we're used to from it, Star Wars. Yes, not it, trying to cut a different path. In as a much. lot of ways, yes, in a lot of ways, very, very much so. So, really, a big fan of that one. Uh, besides the duel, one that I think is maybe the most popular, you know, from an outside standpoint, as far Hold as on. I take a guess, is it the ninth Jedi? It is the ninth Jedi. That is the one that I have heard in that has pierced my circle of like, oh my gosh, that was pretty great. <laughs> it, it was pretty great, especially kind of the reveal moment, but I do think it's a little slow at the beginning compared to some of them. And, um, it's one that I think I want to go back and watch again. And in okay. that same breath, the other one, The Village Bride, I want to go back and watch again. I think I did. Both of those I've only seen once. And those are two that are getting, I think, a little bit more fanfare. Um, I also really, really liked uh, episode eight, Lop and Ocho, which is a, uh, a story about how uh, what I assume is one of Jackson's species gets a lightsaber. So it's a lot of fun. Um, rabbit people, sure. Yeah, rabbit people. 
Um, really like that. Oh, one. I think I know what that one is from the trailer now. I'm and about it. and then uh, episode nine, Akakari, <laughs> Akakiri, maybe uh, Akakiri, Akakiri. I think it's Akakiri. Um, it's really okay. really interesting uh, because it very much shows like um, like imagine if at the moment when Anakin is deciding what to do, like the choice to make between Windu and Palpatine. Imagine if he just got like a story in his head. Oh, okay. And like about that, like, will he fall? Won't he fall type of thing? And like, oh, I, oh I'm a sucker for that. It was, I one really, of, really liked it. One of my favorite short stories of all time is called the occurrence at Owl Creek bridge by Ambrose Bierce. And it's all about basically a guy having this entire vision in his head in the last moment of his life. <laughs> I love that idea. There, of just yeah. the, the sort of like this, like window into everything right before like the moment of decision claps back to the next second. Yeah. I love it. Uh, T.O.B. One is a very much a Mega Man type story about. I a, love Mega Man. Yeah, I mean that would be one I would recommend. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, the one that seems to be the the panned one, but I enjoyed was Tatooine Rhapsody about a uh, young rock band trying to uh, rock- escape execution from Jabba. See, this is the stuff that scares me. Of like, Jedi have never been the most important thing to me about Star Wars. And maybe that's just not where we live. Maybe just, maybe, because everything else you're talking about sounds like it has got a lot, a lot of Jedi. Yeah. Jedi in around. I'm assuming the rock band doesn't deal with a lot of Jedi problems. There is a Jedi connection, but I won't spoil it. Oh, so then everyone should have a problem. I think every single one of these has a Jedi connection. Uh, And then finally, the one that I think is my least favorite, but I would like to go back and revisit it, is The Twins. It started off with a lot of promise and just had a very weird story that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. I can't wait to see, because what you're saying is weird. I'm going like, I'm sure it is. I'm sure weird is the correct answer. But I have different flavors of weird from watching this kind of content before. Yes, yes, yes. Like I said, since I don't know anime, I'm sure some of this stuff is just outside of my realm. (laughs) It's really funny. We were watching, again, this episode, and there's this part where, like, we're seeing this black wall move around that has all these different eyes and teeth and all these places they shouldn't exist and the characters are fighting them and then there's this one villain who's been reduced down to this little nematode looking thing and then they're all just talking about feelings and the concept of justice and I just turned to my friends and I'm like, yeah, no, see, this is... should just show this to noobs and just say, see, anime! And just watch them go, why would you ever watch this? What is this? Ah! Uh, because it is, I don't want to say it's an acquired taste, but like you really do settle on like a whole cultural identity mm-hmm. when you have to, because you have to look at through certain prison prism. Like I've never stood on the top of my high school and have the suicide cage link fence around it. And that's where all the loner kids hang out. I don't know what that's like, but I've watched enough Japanese anime about it. I've got opinions about it. Like, <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it's, it's the nature of absorbing it from genre. Mm-hmm. Just like people like, I hope people go Solaston. What the heck's a Solaston? <laughs> you and I know that word off the, off the top of our heads. A Neelum Nub, you know, what's a Neelum Nub? That's an understandable Are you question. you adding an L in there? It, yeah. I, I, it's like N-I-E-N, nine, 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 nine nub, nub. Nine Nub. I've always heard it pronounced nine. I think I, I think I put it, I, I am putting an L in there. Neilan, uh, yeah, Neilan. I'm saying like Neilan or Neilan. Hey, it's all good, man. How are we supposed to remember all this? Off the you top can of our write heads? this stuff, but you can't say it, George. Speaking of George, uh, the biggest announcement from today, outside of all this fun Star Wars Visions talk, is 
A, Mac, we willed it into existence. We willed it into existence, buddy. Uh, Six-inch <laughs> Black Series, George Lucas and Stormtrooper design, uh, disguise. It makes uh, me so happy. 50th anniversary Black You're, Series figure. Really? Yeah. We did. Going live for pre-orders. It is uh, just... I'm going to I'm gonna get it. launch day. I'm going to get it. I'm going to put it right next to my action fleet that does the same thing from my TIE Interceptor. I'm already mad because like I've been trying not to do pre-orders. And this is one of those like, oh, I need one in the box. I, I need one just in case. For the record, that makes me so much happier than if they had done Papa Pneumonia, which is what I thought was the more realistic get for that. But I'm so glad. The fact that it's like Lucasfilm 50th anniversary and they're doing George and Stormtrooper is like it, all the pieces clicking together. Like I, that's what you want for the 50th anniversary. And I also love the idea that in my head, George Lucas has never been on Stormtrooper armor, nor would he. <laughs> he has people for that. Yeah. Um, which for the record... You also got me. I've bought my first uh, Star Wars Black Series in a while because... Yeah, and you ordered me one. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, it worked out. Oh, I loved it. Um, I loved it. Mac, tell them what you got. Tell the so, kids what you got. Um, You found a media post from what? Yakface? Yeah, exactly. Um, that was basically... Which that person has cost me a lot of money this oh, year because they, yeah. they're one... They, I, that's who I heard about. The raised lightsabers coming out and uh-huh. I had to go scramble to buy that. Oh, yeah. Um. But they bought something right up my lane. I don't collect Black Series because I don't. Um, but slowly, your influence has rubbed off your on me. Your shelf has gotten bigger and bigger throughout and the years. I've mostly just, all I've been collecting is the Mando figures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think I have one First Order Stormtrooper because I just like the First Order. That was Order the very Stormtro- first one you got, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the First Order Stormtrooper, I like that a lot. But like it's you. basically Mandalorians. And then they said, oh, well, hey, we got, um, you know. The Rebel Commandos. We're going to bring out Boss as an exclusive to GameStop. And I'm like, oh, no. Because <laughs> it's especially bad because it's like you told me, like, oh, the GameStop pre orders have been a, an absolute nightmare to try and get them. You just got to get them as soon as they go. <laughs> and you did. I did. And, yeah, I think I got them within the first, like, seven minutes of them going up. Congratulations. Um, uh, but the biggest reason I don't like buying it, that I hate buying it, bought it, is... I do want that figure, but you signed me up for three additional I was figures say after three that. Three more to go. Three more. Because we because now we need to go get Fixer and Fixer. Scorch and Sev, and I'm gonna have to buy all those. But yes, as I will. told you in text today, I'm like, but I want to throw the money at the Republic Commando property to tell them, yes, maybe you should keep doing stuff mm-hmm, with that. I think mm-hmm. it's great. When Scorch showed up in. Uh, in uh, Bad Batch, I I was stoked. Show more of me of that. I want hey, more. With a Knights of the Old Republic remake coming up, anything is possible. Yeah, it's... Anything is possible. And I just want to go on the record here. Uh, it is um, September 2021. I think the Knights of the Old Republic remake... Yes. ...is not only going to be canon, but there are going to be changes to make it more canon. Um... It'll be curious. If it was EA and Bioware doing it, I would expect more dramatic changes. The fact that Aspire, the developer, is making it, the Aspire has been managing that, making that game playable on more and more things for years. Yeah. And I think there's a faithfulness they want to go for. So what I'm saying is, unlike some this i think this is going to be more like the mass effect trilogy that came out where Mm. there were some tweaks Mm -hmm. and some things to smooth out making all three of those games connect but large and in large it was those games just in a modern playable form um 
whereas this I don't expect is going to be a like Final Fantasy remake, which mm. is not a remake at all and a completely remixing of that story. Um, so you think this will be more leaning towards I think faithful it's, adaptation? I expect it will be more faithful with, like you yeah. said, I do expect some modern twists on it because like one thing that totally exists in there that I cannot see surviving is yes, it's totally fine. Cause star Wars is, you know, Saturday morning cartoons and stuff, but like there's a lot of space racism in there that I think yeah. will go away. Like um, you can see what Disney has done with the empire where the empire, you know, stormtroopers are women and there are aliens who are also stormtroopers. Yeah. And it's more of a human first from a institutional kind of sense mm-hmm. more than it is like mo- most people are not just flagrantly against yeah. aliens being amongst their ranks. But when Knights of the Republic was made, that was still very much what the Empire represented. So the Sith running around there are real dirtbags to any non-human. Also, for the record, if they fix one thing, we have the storage. Go and take half that alien dialogue that's just all the same repeating loops of voices. Very clever solve in 2004. But please, just go get voice actors. (laughs) I I want to hear those lines. Yeah. If, If... Bosk can talk like a normal person in basic. All of you can. Everybody can. I'm very excited. Um, my my personal opinion on it is I'm very excited to play it. It will be the reason I buy a PlayStation 5, finally. Um, <laughs> so very, very excited. All, all yeah. overall, uh, I know this will make people happy, and that makes me happy. I'm one of them, yeah. It's great, right? More Star Wars made for Mac. Love it. Yes, having yes. Said Keep that, going, Disney. I'm loving this. Ca- having said that... I want Revan and Canon mm-hmm. in a new way like we got Thrawn. I don't want a remake of this game that already exists. I think the one problem with Revan is Revan is just too whipped up. Like, here's the thing. The thing I feel the most mad about with the remake, no one's going to play this not knowing the twist. And yeah. that ticks me off that yeah. they know who Revan is. And I'm like, and see, you should That's why I think there are going to be changes because I do think they want this to be a fresh experience. Now, as someone who doesn't play Final Fantasy, I don't know much about it, but that is what I thought, what they did well, with Final Fantasy VII. The problem with Final Fantasy VII, this is great, great microcosm. The problem I have with Final Fantasy VII, uh, I, that is one, you know me, I returned that game. I was so furious with it when reviews started coming out. I was beside myself with pure nerd rage. Yeah. Um, Because what they did was they made a game for no one. Because if you are new to Final Fantasy and say say you're a 16-year-old right now and you want to play Final Fantasy. Well, you weren't around during the PlayStation. You certainly don't want to play a game that old. I get it. You want to play a new modern version of this. Great. This game's not for you because it's full of things that only functionally are understood if you have intimate knowledge of that original game. Are you a person who has deep, intimate knowledge of that original game? Yeah, great. We changed all kind of stuff just to screw with you and make you surprised. Most of which doesn't make any sense and ruins the ability for certain moments you want to see in this remake ever existing. Isn't that great? Like... No, no one is happy except the developers who got to make something fun. Like, they're the only ones who had a lot of fun. And everyone else is like, there's a lot of people who, like, for me, very in a minority of not liking the concept of what they did. Um, Just being kind of like, well, we have to see where it's going. I'm like, I don't have nine years to wait for the second part of this to come out, which is a million miles from now. 
Um, so when it comes to KOTOR, there's a part of me of like, if you really change things to surprise fans like me who already know the twists and turns and all that kind of stuff, the problem you risk is, well, why do you guys, what, what are you going to get out of Revan, new person? Because Thrawn exists in a very different context, except I feel that character was just plucked and transplanted, right? The secret sauce of it, we've already done an episode on, on Revan and how Old Republic sort of canonized parts of who that person yeah. is, whereas that person is defined by the player's choices in right. the original game. They, what they do creates the Revan of their yes. game. Every um, Revan is different. Yeah, every Revan was different in your playthroughs. Because of that, Revan represents this thing to people that it doesn't to me. Revan is a a question mark over a black silhouette, mm -hmm. like name that Pokemon, because my Revan's not your Revan, isn't that guy's Revan. And it's very, very difficult to say, here is a canon version of a character right. who you all have different opinions on. But my kind of take on that, as someone who doesn't have nostalgia for KOTOR, yeah. is we've got to get there eventually. Like, you either want him to be canon or you don't. But you can't have... Like, let me just give you a perfect example. And th this is... We're getting into the nitpicking of, you know, JJ stabbing uh, publishing <laughs> through the heart with Rise of Skywalker and just totally not caring about it. Wait, wait, wait. But, I just want to say, ignoring willfully, which yes. is more of the answer because I know, because the specific thing that hurts your soul, I totally understand, but I'm like, I don't even know if people at Lucasfilm licensing would have caught that because they're just, they're so separate. Anyway, the point is, the point, he plowed right over it without right. even noticing that so the point was doing is, things. In current Star Wars canon, just yes. a, a very small microcosm example. Yes. In Knights of the Old Republic, Bacta is prevalent. Yes. In current Star Wars canon, Bacta is new 200 years-ish before the Phantom Menace. It's a new wonder drug. Yes. Those two things wouldn't jive. And I don't want it just hand-waved away if Knights of the Old Republic is going to be canon. Well, Knights of the Republic doesn't deal with Bacta. They deal with Colto. It's not? It's not? Okay. See, that's no, no, perfect. It's, no, no. It jives really well because Colto is this primordial version of Bacta yeah. that's not as good. Perfect. Um, no. And... But... Understand. Okay, last thing. I'm really old. Um, I love those comic books, Tales of the Jedi. And so when I like Knights of Republic, there's already a part of me that has had to deal with this yeah. once. Where they're like, yeah. oh, we have Nava computers. Before, you too. shouldn't have Nava computers. They're supposed to be the hyperspace buoys. That's how we found, you know, freaking Korriban is because yeah. they were just, they have to just jump randomly. There are only the lanes. There, You can't plot your own course. Yeah, I love it. Um, so like, it's all, the future is always in motion. I think the biggest thing about KOTOR is I'm just excited that a lot of people, good, bad, or the other are going to have better, stronger connections to this era of Star Wars, which is yes. in many ways, yes. in any permutation, my favorite era of Star Wars. And I'm sure if we're getting this, that means eventually, you know, we're getting all these Legends novels reprinted. So wouldn't be surprised if we get an old Republic novel reprinted or something mm -hmm. like that might get the Revan novel. Uh, reprinted at some point. You know, we've talked about it. Uh, some of those novels, I think, are real winners. Some of them are more lackluster, but highly chit recommend all of those Old Republic novels. Check them out. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm super excited for Knights of the Old Republic and remake. I mean, I'm going to play it. I'm going to get a PlayStation 5 eventually to play it specifically because my PlayStation 4 is running at like two frames a, a second. It's awful. But um, 
I hope that if they do change things, people mm-hmm. will be okay with it. And I hope that if they keep it exactly the same, then great. It is a Legends game. Let's leave it that well, way. And like I said, I, I think the I think the problem is, like like I said, with Final Fantasy VII, it's a fine, it's a really, really fun game to play, actually. But the, the trick you got to watch is when you recontextualize something, do you lose the ability for the original to still be present? Like I said... If you tell me Revan looks like this bald space marine generic male protagonist character, like the Old Republic did, I go, but why? Because my biggest thing is Revan exists in the first game, then they disappear. Yeah. And they're talked about as this influence in the second game. But I like the fact of, well, well, that character, you know, how how do you deal with them in canon? They're a terribly mysterious figure that does big things in the galactic stage and then disappears, being a mystery the entire time. Well... But I, I want to know, you know, what's what 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 are they? I don't have to tell you. The point is they're terribly mysterious. That's their thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to understand them. I want to understand what planet Yoda comes from. But they're smart to not let me know. <laughs> um, uh, the mystery of Revan. Is it a man? Is it a woman? Is it a Salston? We don't uh, know. And last thing I want to say is, if you're interested in Knights of the Republic and you really oh, want to get it into yes. something, I want to pass on one more time. Oh, please. If you want to get into Tales of the Jedi, just go pay like the $6.99 it costs for Marvel Unlimited for a month. All the old Star Wars comic books that Dark Horse published are in there, mm-hmm. including the entire run of Tales of the Jedi. Do you like What If? Because there are basically Star Wars What If comics on there. Yes, uh, Star Wars Tales. Yes. Um. Yeah, but I, I, I want more people to know that part of Star Wars. It's so important to me. There's some great stuff from Dark Horse in the 90s. Um. Tags and Bink, if you just want to have some fun. (laughs) Lots of people have lots of great nostalgia, obviously, for the Marvel comics of the, you know, 70s and 80s, too. But, um, hey, the whole point, maybe, of this whole episode is Star Wars is more than just a handful of movies. It's so much more. Go check some of it out if you haven't. It's well worth your time, we think. We we definitely do think. And we're going to keep exploring all the depths of all the weird... uh, endpoints and what ifs <laughs> and strange visions and alternate dimensions and alternate futures and pasts yes. of this galaxy far, far away yes. every week with you until we stop. That's right. probably a far away. I, I think that's, that's right. yeah. Based on all the plans we've just made, I, it's definitely far away. We've got a lot of things coming in our, in our pipeline. Maybe we'll stop one day, but that day is not today. No, but I'm Mac and I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday, may the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2021.